set apart. The word holy, uh, most people would agree that the essence of holiness is being set apart. We have divined holiness as being set apart from what is common, what is ordinary, to serve God's purpose. That's what we're set apart to do, is to serve God's purpose. Purpose. And so we've been applying this thought then, you know, we're, actually we're beginning, I started it last week, uh, and we're saying, well, as a church, how are we set apart? We've talked much about being set apart, well, how specifically are we set apart? And so we're going to look at that and consider that today, and in the Beginning of last week's, I kind of tied in previous sermons, as you remember, and last week we said we are set apart by being a family. I've expanded that a little bit because there's some some points that we need to make in regards to our family that were embedded really in the sermon that Jay gave a few weeks ago. We are set apart by being a loving family. We are set apart by being a loving family that works together. I remember much of what Jay spoke about was how what drew his family together is when they were working together, doing something together. So let's first uh, add to this idea of our family, what makes us unique, what should make every church unique that believes in Christ is this concept of family and being a loving family. So 1 Thessalonians, if you'll go with me there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse number 9. And this was one of the uh, scriptures from that sermon a few weeks ago that Brother Jay gave to us. Verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And this is one of the marks that will help people understand and know that we truly are the people of God, is if we love one another. Love one another so that others can know that we really are from God. So love one another. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 17. Let's look at this verse, uh, another verse that was given in that sermon. 1 Peter chapter five, 2, excuse me, chapter 2. Verse number 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So the commandment is for us to be a family, but not just any family, not a dysfunctional family, but a family that loves one another. And also in part of this command is that we're a family that works together. Now, I flashed back to a, uh, a time when I first arrived at Garrett Street in 2002. Uh, I think in that year of January, I think I gave one of my first sermons was I handed out a puzzle piece. And it might have been my very first sermon. Um, and that puzzle piece and that sermon was based upon this passage. And here it talks about our partnership in the gospel. Participation together. We're partners working together. Starting in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in, uh, with joy in my every prayer for you all, 
in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, or he will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So we're in a partnership together in the gospel, and he is going to keep working within us in that partnership uh, and, and in making it more and more perfect until the day of Christ. Growing, working, performing it, completing that work. So this is something that we need to say. We are set apart from what is common to, to be like this. We're set apart by being a loving family that works together. We had also talked about we are set apart by our youthful vigor for life. And you can kind of add that to the family concept too. We, we are a family that's full of love, working together, and filled with life. That's who we are. And three, we had, this is what we talked about last week. And at the greatest length is this third part in which we are set apart. We are set apart because we continue to learn and follow Scripture, which is the very Word of God. Now for me, I, I told you that this, in my mind, this is kind of saying us, we have this very high, very high view of Scripture, a very respectful view of Scripture, and it's because we know this to be true. We're following the Scripture. We're continuing in it. We're not evolving in some way in the church. We are trying to restore the New Testament church. We can't make it better. We continue in Scripture because it is the very Word of God. Everything that we know and practice and believe, it's all based upon the fact that we believe this to be the truth. The very Word of God. So... All that we do, all that we say, all that we even think, it is based upon this fact. Because we're set apart to continue to learn and follow scripture, which is the very word of God. And all the other points that we make and every other sermon that I give, no matter what the topic is, it all hangs upon this. Is that God has spoken and we will listen. God has spoken, it's been, we receive his spoken word through this written word that is before us, and everything hangs on this, the very word of God. So, we have this very high view of scripture, and it determines everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think. All right, now we move on to uh, another one of these things that's going to hang upon that one thought of what, what scripture says. Honoring Scripture, listening because we love God, what He's done for us, so we're going to listen to what He has said. And here is our main topic for today. We are set apart by not being divided, but being of the same mind. And now you should automatically hear that. We're, we're not divided and we're going to be of the same mind because we all have this high view of Scripture. We're all going to go to Scripture and what it says, we're going to say amen to. What is written in here, we are going to follow and practice. That is going to determine that, hey, we're going to be 
If we're all starting at the same place, we should all end up being the same. So let's talk about this by going to 1 Corinthians, and, uh, and we're going to look and study in chapter, chapters 1, 2, and 3 today. 1 Corinthians. Here's a book that was, uh, well, we'll call it, a, it's an epistle, it's a letter that Paul wrote, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, he wrote this to the church of God, verse number 2, which is at Corinth. So he's writing to the church of God. And that's what we are. We're, we are the church of God. We are Christ's church, the body of Christ. Scripture talks about many names for his saints, the called out people. Ones who have given themselves to Christ in baptism, been immersed. You die to yourself, raised up to live for him. You now belong to him. You were bought. A very high price was paid to purchase you. And this is for all of us who have given our lives to Christ. So, that's what this book, who it's written to, the body of Christ, the believers. Now we go to verse number 10. One of the most uh, significant verses in Scripture, these first couple of verses I go to, uh, they're just, we've got to know them. They've got to draw us together. They've got to guide our minds in Christ Jesus. Young, old, I don't care who you are, where you are, we've got to know these verses. The very word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. <clears throat> now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. So I made it just a little bit shorter, but I hope this statement that I make conveys really the completeness and wholeness of this verse and this passage and all that we're going to go to and read in a moment. We are set apart. This is what we must do and be. We are set apart by not being divided, but being of the same mind. And I like this. Um, in the New American Standard that I just read, it says that you all, I exhort you, that you all agree. And in, this, in the footnote, there's, uh, it says for agree, it's literally to speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. Yeah, if we're all speaking the same thing, we all should be agreeing, right? We should be in agreement. So let us speak what we know to be true. If we're coming to the scriptures and speaking these things, we are going to be in agreement. If we're holding the scripture high and saying this is our everything and our all, and this is our source of knowledge, then if we all turn to it and study it and learn it and speak these words, we speak God's words, then we can be united. The exhortation that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete 
completeness. This is a call for the church to be complete and to be whole. Not broken apart, but complete and whole. In the same mind and in the same judgment. The way we think, the decisions that we go through in our our mind, our thought processes, they should be united in what we have before us, the very word of God. Same mind, same thoughts, coming from here, not coming from here. (laughs) We've We've got to get rid of our own mind and make this our mind be thinking of this. So that's the general statement, and that's the exhortation is to not be divided, but be united. And the first passage that I want to go to to give support to this thought is John chapter 17. John's chapter 17 verses 20 through 21. This is a passage that I think needs to be wrung out, to to ring forth this truth, the words of Jesus, his prayer, for all who would believe in him. So anybody who claims to be a believer, you need to hear these words. Jesus praying before he is betrayed. He is praying this... uh, Very sincere prayer that his apostles would be united in truth, sanctified in truth. That they would be one. That they would be one with Christ, one with the Father. And then in verse number 20, it says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So here's God's scheme revealed to us in a very short passage. Jesus came to speak truth to his apostles, one of which betrayed him. But praise God for the faithfulness of the others, because through their word, then they went out and spoke and shared the teaching of Christ with others, and those teachings were collected and written down so that others could believe and even passed on down to even us 2,000 years later, so that we might believe, and that by believing in that word, believing the truth, then we also can be one just as Christ was one with the Father and just as the Father was in Christ and Jesus himself was in the Father, that we also might be in them, united with Christ, united with the Father. And when that happens, when, we're, when we are one, When we are united, that we might be one so that the world may believe. That is what is happening. That is what is to happen. That we may be one. Look at verse 21. As they may all be one. 
When we are united with Christ, united with the Father, then we are also united together with one another. And if we are one, I ask this, well, here, let me read my notes here. For the world to believe in Jesus Christ, we must be one. Our unity serves God's great purpose. And that purpose is to teach the truth and show the truth to others. When we're united in the truth, we serve a great truth. We serve a great purpose. And I ask the question, well, what is the consequence, according to this passage, if we are divided? What's the consequence of Christians being divided? And the consequence, logically, is that the world won't believe. Or perhaps you might even say it a little more gentler, they're going to have a harder time believing. And don't you think that's true? If, if Christians can't agree, then how can you, how can you know what the truth is? If you're, a, if you're an atheist or if you're somebody who believes in God and you're kind of searching and you think maybe Christianity is the way, but you see all these Christians who believe all different kinds of things and they all seem honest and sincere, but they disagree and argue with one another, how can you know the truth? It doesn't make sense. It must be, well, I'll just leave it. I'll just be spiritual. Forget religion. I'll just say I believe in Jesus and go about and try and do good. Forget trying to figure this out. It's obviously much too complicated. No. For the world to believe in Jesus Christ, we must be one. We must be united in truth. We must hear what the apostles are speaking to us even today so that we can know what Jesus Christ has spoken to us, follow his word, so that we can be one with God and one with one another. United. That is what we must do. We are set apart by not being divided. This passage means something to us as a family of God, as believers here. We want very much to be for the church to be united. To be one in Christ and one with one another. This is one of the greatest, doesn't that make you excited to think about everybody being together, everybody being one, so that everybody else who doesn't believe, they can look at us and say, man, that's a pretty neat thing they got there. I want to be a part of it. So let's be one. This is what sets us apart. We are not divided. We are of the same mind. All right, let's move on to, for, back to 1 Corinthians. All the other passages come from here. And all of these, I think Paul speaks to this idea of unity because he knew what the Lord had prayed in that garden. Or on the way to the garden. Maybe at the temple is where he prayed that prayer for unity. Could have been at the temple very possibly before he went to the garden. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read verse 10 with it again, and then read verses 11 through 13. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, 
that there are quarrels, excuse me, quarrels among you. Well, now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So the scene is this. In the city of Corinth, there were believers there. They were following the way of Christ, but and Paul was the one who taught them. If you know the story, Paul was the one who first went to Corinth and taught them. Taught them the truth. And now there is information coming back to him that the body of Christ is no longer the body of Christ. It is divided into a couple of other bodies. One group saying, I am of Paul. Another group saying, well, I am of Apollos. I follow him. And somebody else saying, well, I follow Peter, Cephas. And then others are saying, well, we're not together with any of you because we're going to follow Christ. Even the ones who were following Christ seemed to be in the wrong because they were excluding the others, saying, we're right and you're all wrong. They were divided. Paul's question, has Christ been divided? Doesn't make sense, does it? Dividing the church of God is wrong. Following men is wrong. We follow Christ. Denominationalism is wrong. If it was wrong for people in Corinth to say, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Paul. If it was wrong for them to to divide by names and say, I'm following different people, how is it any different For the church to now, in these days, since the times of the Reformation, to say, well, I follow this guy, I follow that guy. No, we follow this set of doctrines. We follow this and that. And the church divided is wrong. Don't you agree? Don't you think this is a simple teaching of this passage? I think the youngest among us can understand That for a group of people who are supposed to be in Christ and then they start dividing and saying, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. If it was wrong back then, it's wrong today. This is a simple teaching. One of the simplest teachings of scripture. And yet you can drive down the street and you see buildings with the outside labeling themselves such that you can know that they are divided from the next group down the way. That's the essence of what a denomination is. They have all these names, all these different doctrines, and then you get in with the one on getting a denomination and you start learning, well, that denomination is divided. And they start calling themselves different names within the denomination. And they say, well, I'm a part of this group and everybody else is wrong. Denominationalism is wrong. 
And it's, it pulls people away from believing. The very simple truth of Jesus Christ being sent from God is it's diminished when people set themselves up according to sex. Denominationalism is wrong. And if there is a denominational teacher, and I, I go to denominational teachers a lot to hear their opinions, to listen to them, but whenever I do that, I always uh, temper it with this thought that if a denominational teacher can't get this simple teaching right, that, there is, that it's wrong to be in a denomination or to even have denominations, if they can't get that right, then how can I trust anything they say? Isn't that true? You've got to slow down. Oh, wait, who am I getting this information from? This, this guy claims to be uh, following John Calvin. He claims to be following a man. He puts himself into a different sect. Separate from Christianity at large. Different from everybody else labeling himself saying, I follow so and so. Maybe some follow uh, uh, some of the other reformers. Luther or Zwindley, I think, is one of those names. Um, you know, if they followed different people, and we know that according to Scripture, according to God's Word, that's wrong, then how can I trust anything they say? Better be careful here. If they can't get the simple things right, how can I trust them with some more complex things? We are set apart by not being divided, but by being of the same mind. That's who we are. We are, we've got a sign out in front of the church, says Church of Christ. And then we've taken that as a name, an official name with the, to, so people can identify us as a particular congregation. Garrett Street Church of Christ. We could have called it the church that meets on Garrett Street. We could be called the Church of God. We could be called the Family of God. There are all kinds of names in scriptures. Names that we can agree on. Because it's stated here. In the truth. So let's stick with the truth. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one through four. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. You guys haven't grown up. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For one went, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? The fact that there are denominations shows 
that there are some people who are just mere men and walking according to the flesh and they have not matured in Christ. Division is evidence of walking by the flesh, not by the Spirit. If the Spirit of Christ is in us, we will agree. We will walk according to that Spirit, a Spirit that is one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Paul continues speaking here, building his case for unity. He says, for you, for we, uh, speaking of um, him and Apollos in particular, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Notice the singularity there. You are the field, you are the building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the foundation. So there is one building, and the saints are that building, I refer back to chapter 1, verse 2. When it talks about the church of God, it mentions saints by calling. So we are set apart. We are saints. That's what scripture says. We are the building. The building's not the building, right? We are the building. Very simple teaching in scripture. We are the church of Christ. The church of God. The family of God. We are, that makes us one, one building, which is built on the one foundation, Jesus Christ. How do you think that division and strife will affect that building? It's like taking a hammer and starting to knock things away and knock it down, tear it apart. It's not a good thing. There's just one building. Don't destroy it. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? Now, the New American Standard says a temple of God. We're not just a temple of God. I don't like my translation here. We're not just a temple. We are God's temple, the temple. We are the building, not just one of them. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. What did God promise in that verse to do to any man who destroys his temple? God will destroy him. Division, not being of the same mind, those things all start hammering away at God's building. If anybody destroys God's building, God will destroy him. Chapter 3, verses 18 uh, through to the beginning of 21. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise... In this age, he must become foolish, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. Reminds me of the verse of the day that was sent out earlier today, if you receive it. 
The wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men. Do you all want to follow men who, in their reasonings and in their craftiness, are made foolish before God? Or do you just want to go to God and follow God? Do you want to attach your, if if somebody comes up to you and says, what church do you go to? Do you want to tell them the name of some denomination? Or do you want to say, I'm a part of Christ's church. I'm a follower of Jesus. That is who I am. Let us not follow men and so be deceived. Let us follow the teaching of Christ. Who should we trust in? Trust in Jesus. Trust in the word of God. To follow up on that point, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Now we, and I'm going to pause here for a second and say that Paul is speaking for the teachers in the church. Those in particular, he was one of the twelve apostles. Added at a later time, but he was among that number, the the apostles of Jesus, and I think he also is speaking for those who have received this miraculous work of prophecy that they could speak the very word of God, spoken of even later in this book. So Paul spoke for the apostles and others with the gift of prophecy, the ones who would be able to deliver the very word of God. And it says again in verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And then in verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Paul wasn't speaking, and we mentioned this last week, it wasn't his words he was speaking, he was speaking the very word of God that was delivered through him to him through the help of the Holy Spirit within him. And today, we must turn to their teachings in the scripture to have the same mind. Don't follow men Don't follow a preacher. Don't follow some guy on TV. Don't follow some guy who wrote some great book. Follow the Word of God. So that we can, when we're all following this Word of God, then we can have the same mind. Don't turn to the teachings of men. So we are set apart. This defines us. We are set apart by not being divided, but being of the same mind. Division destroys the Lord's church. It's very true locally in an individual congregation. It's true of Christianity at large, denominationalism, destroys the Lord's church. It brings harm, according to the very word of God. So we are not set apart, excuse me, we are set apart by not being divided. 
but by being united in the same mind. Have the same mind. Follow the word of God. It's all we do. It's all we can speak. And if I have said anything outside of what is in agreement with the word of God today, then let me know and I'll make sure that it is stricken from the record or made aware in the very next record. We speak the word of God. We're united in it. Let us not be divided. We need to be united because we all belong to Christ. If we're united with Christ, then we're united to one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23 mentions, You belong to Christ. If there's anybody here today who doesn't belong to Christ, you've never let yourself die to self, to be raised again, to live with Christ, today's the day you need to do that. And then you'll be united with the church. Not according to some doctrine of men, but just simply because you have obeyed the very scripture, the word of God. If anybody needs to come to Christ today, I invite you. Talk to me after this worship service, and we will direct you as to what you must do to be saved. We are now going to go to the, excuse me. We'll now have our uh, communion service.